It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, hot guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Do the math for me, Caleb Calhoun. How many days until August 1? Uh, five. Five. So that, to me, is when football season starts, as the Vols will visit with the media and report to camp. So practice will begin next week. So we're off and running and ready to go. And my, what a show on tap. Coming up. Florida, Tennessee, Georgia. What is the most important game for the Vols this year? Caleb and I don't see eye to eye on this, so we're going to discuss that. Also, the top five non-conference stars that uh, Tennessee will have to face this year, and they're pretty good. Josh Ward joins us, an offensive line preview, and also Joe Milton admitting that he questioned himself on a couple of different occasions. He hadn't said that until recently and the 10 greatest single seasons by a Tennessee running back of all time. So go to off the hook sports.com to get into that. You will absolutely love it. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you may be watching, it's time to get this thing rolling. It is today's tough question. And it's brought to you today by our friends at Zen sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. 
on the surface, this seems kind of simple. And Caleb and I were discussing this, and maybe it's not so simple. So today's tough question, as stated quite simply, is Georgia, Florida, or Alabama, Tennessee's most important game this year? Today's tough question. We'll have that up on the Twitter feed, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Uh, Zen Sports, I'm telling you, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign the code. When you use the code HOOKED, H-O-O-K-E-D, that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Again, Zen Sports betting just got better. Use the promo code HOOKED. Today's tough question, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee's most important game this year. Caleb, I'm very fair on this program. I will allow you to go first so that I can tell you how wrong you are. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you doing, Dave? (laughs) Well, that's kind of a loaded way of answering the question. I want to say this. If you see anybody but Georgia, you're probably somebody who still thinks Bill Russell's the greatest player in the history of the NBA. Not greatest, but better than Wilt Chamberlain. Anyway. No, he wasn't. He was a role player. Florida, Georgia, or, yeah, when you have six Hall of Famers on a team, it's probably a pretty good team. I mean, yeah, they had like eight. But anyway, Florida, Georgia, (laughs) Alabama, Tennessee's most important game this year. What is Tennessee's most important game this year? It's Georgia. It's obviously Georgia because Tennessee, last year I would have said Florida. This year it's Georgia because Tennessee is now at the level where they expect to compete for championships. They're not waiting to do that. They're there. And you know what you do when you're there? You circle the game that's going to define whether or not you win a championship. And that game is Georgia. If they lose to Florida, we will reassess. But they shouldn't and they'd almost better not lose to Florida. Florida at this point is what... South Carolina was for Tennessee in the 90s, okay? And it should be. It should be that. If it's not, then Tennessee has a lot of other issues, but they should – they are borderline. They should circle Florida as a win this year. Alabama is not a divisional game, so it doesn't really matter if they were to lose that game. It all comes down to Georgia. And if it doesn't come down to Georgia, Tennessee will have regressed under Josh Heupel to a level that they shouldn't have. Georgia is the biggest game this year – And it might be, as I talked about yesterday, the biggest home November game in Tennessee football history. So we are still doing divisions this year, last I heard, correct? Correct. Yeah, that all gets messed up next year, and we don't know how we're going to fix that. But we are still doing divisions, and I'm going to tell you why it's Florida. It is Florida because it's early in the season. It is Florida because (laughs) Joe Milton will be on the road It is Florida because if you lose that game, it looks like you were a flash in the pan last year, got lucky on a down year with Alabama, got lucky on a down year with Florida. That's the way some people are going to spin it. 
you probably would take yourself out of any sort of East run. You would hurt yourself in the college football playoff because people are going to drop you down further. And if you lose another game, you're not going to make the college football playoff. So those are all high goals. You said a word that players and coaches don't use often. You expect to beat Florida. They might expect to beat Florida, but they're not going to say that. That's still a football program with talent that's going to be at home with a raucous crowd. If Tennessee loses that game, you said something else. We reassess. We do. We wonder if they can go to Alabama and hang tight. We wonder if they can keep it close against Georgia. It changes the entire tone of the season. It's first. It's not nostalgia that I'm referring to because I was around the great Florida games of the 90s and early 2000s. But it is Florida, especially with a new quarterback. If this were Hendon Hooker returning, I wouldn't say Florida. But it is absolutely imperative that Joe Milton goes to Florida If Tennessee's going to be successful this year, he not only gets the win, but plays well and efficiently. No turnovers, very few overthrows. It is Florida, and it's not close. I will give you Georgia second. Alabama, since we're still in division play, in my mind, is a distant third. But it is Florida. Dave is totally stuck in the 90s, guys. He's got a poster of Michael Jordan in his room. He's probably trying to remind us about the Cowboys' last Super Bowl. Okay. (laughs) You what? I can, by the way. And you made a reference to Deion Sanders (laughs) that I didn't didn't get into. But anyway, the Cowboys were down 21-0 in that game and threw the ball a lot. And that's why Michael Irvin got 192 receiving yards. But anyway, I'm not stuck in the 90s. I just – if Tennessee – stubs their toe against Florida, then they're just another one of those programs that's in the middle of the SEC trying to get to the Georgia-Alabama level. This is a game that you would not question this, I don't think, that Georgia or Alabama, if they had to go to Florida in September, they would go win that game, right? Yes, I would. they would dominate that game. If Tennessee is going to be of that ilk, they had better win that game or it changes the way they're viewed nationally. Well, but couldn't you say the same thing about South Carolina, Texas A&M, heck, even Kentucky and Missouri on the road? You could say it about all of those teams, just like you could about Florida. Uh, I could, but Florida with the raucous crowd, I think, is scary. I think anybody that's been to a game there realizes that that's way, way different. And I love williams Bryce. Don't get me wrong. I think it's very underrated. I think there are a lot of underrated home venues. But going to Florida and the noise – could be a huge factor it was a factor in the georgia game last year so maybe i overestimate the road crowd but i don't think i do i've seen many a teams wilt in that heat especially in september and while i think tennessee will be a solid favorite five six points you tell me you're better with gambling brought to you by zen sports than i am i think it'll be five or six points if Tennessee goes down there and and slips up, it wouldn't stun me and wouldn't even surprise me because I think that's a tough road game. And I think that I, I, I'm, I'm not a Billy Napier guy. Oh, he's details, he's details. And he might get them to a respectable level at some point. But I think year two, he's going to have a better grasp of that program. And he's not just throwing Anthony Richardson out there in September hoping that he makes a play. I think he's going to have – 
his offense, his defense a little bit better instilled. I, I think that I think they're facing a tough matchup down there. Uh, by the way, D said Virginia. If you lose to Virginia, sure. Um, but we're assuming that they beat Virginia. And we ask about the SEC uh, main opponents, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. So it's Florida. Are you convinced? Still not convinced because I think Florida should be a circled win. I, I actually would give you this. The Swamp is brutal. And Tennessee fans don't want to hear this. The Swamp's the loudest place in the SEC. It's actually even louder to me than Death Valley because De- Death Valley is only loud at night. The Swamp is loud. It doesn't matter if you play a noon game, a 3.30 game, or an 8 p.m. game. The Swamp is always raucous and loud. And it, it's those fans are brutal. They they really are. And so I, I, I can actually get with you on that. And you're right, the September heat can mess with people. I'll never forget Phil Fulmer. It was one of the games Tennessee won in the Swamp. It was that the Hail Mary, Casey Clawson, to James Banks game. Remember yes. how sweaty Fulmer was? <laughs> the yeah, there was an ongoing joke that he had to change shirts because he had the booby sweat. Because, <laughs> right, and I, I've been incredibly overweight. I know what the booby sweat is. You need another shirt around or something. Um, yeah, so I think he changed shirts at halftime. It was hot, hot and darn it. I mean, that place is miserable as a rider. I can't imagine as a player. So. Um, no, I, I think Florida is the most important game. Do you agree that Alabama's third? Alabama's a distant third. I mean, I'm. I mean, I, look, South Carolina and Kentucky might be more important than Alabama this year. Honestly, interesting. All right, there are other opponents besides Florida, Georgia, and Alabama on Tennessee's schedule, and Tennessee will face some pretty talented players. I don't know how much longer that's going to happen because I think players transfer from schools like we're going to mention to bigger schools, but a column on offthehooksports.com that you can check out by Caleb Calhoun is the top five opponents that Tennessee will face non-conference and start with Mike. What's the dealio quarterback at Austin P where I love the fact that they say go P all the time. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, Andy Mason, real Tell me about Mike. Dilio, before I tell you more about Andy Mason and other non-conference opponents that the Vols should be worried about. It's actually Mike Dilliello, funny enough. I know, but it sounded better with Dilio. <laughs> um, Mike Dilliello is, and actually Austin P has about four guys that are being looked at as NFL draft prospects for next year. They went seven and four. They've got a tight end in Jordan Goko and a couple of transfers. Michael Rutland Jr. is a defensive back transfer from Princeton and Tyler Long is a, another transfer, but Mike DeLiello transferred from MTSU. Dual threat, threw for over 2,400 yards last year, rushed for another 680, had this 29 sounds, total. This sounds so catty and mean, but you're talking about transfer. So I think about people transferring up. And I'm wondering, did they just transfer because it was closer to home, or did they transfer from Powell Middle School? Well, they clearly didn't transfer because it was closer to home, went from MTSU to Austin P. There's not much of a difference in yeah, I'm just wondering in general. I don't know how the transfer portal works on that level. But oh, oh, I get. Some- I know if you're at UAB and you're really good and you want to play for a championship, you go to a bigger school. I get that. I don't know how it works at that level. Sometimes transfers are just about fit, though. When you transfer down, I mean, look, Joe Flacco couldn't start at Pitt. He transferred to Delaware and he became a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That's funny to say, but <laughs> it is funny to say. Um, well, I get transferring down, but you're talking about going from MTSU to Austin. Anyway, so t- t- tell me about Dilliello. Yeah, so he had he was a dual threat and he led Austin P to a 7 and 4 record last year. And 
look, dual threat quarterbacks can give Tennessee trouble when their defense is a question. Do I think Tennessee is going to lose to Austin P? No. Okay. I don't like, like that's a circled win. I'm not out here saying, Oh, watch out for Austin P guys. But I'm just saying he is a very, very, very good quarterback for his level. Okay. What's the Dillyello with Trey Moore, who you've got number four on Tennessee's uh, most fretted about non-conference opponents. He's an edge rusher out of UTSA, the university of Texas, San Antonio, People don't like when you say that out. They're the only school I've ever been around, I guess LSU, that prefers the acronym over the actual name. We've gotten complaints on that about on our YouTube channel. Uh, Trey Moore, edge rusher for the Roadrunners. So just a heads up, guys. UTSA is far and away the best team out of conference Tennessee's playing this year. Way totally better than Virginia. Totally agree. And they are an offensive-oriented team. But Trey Moore is their one threat on defense, and this dude is a threat. 18 tackles for a loss last year, eight sacks, and six pass deflections at the same time. Two forced fumbles, 59 tackles, 39 of which were solo. He could give Joe Milton a lot of problems. And one thing we don't know about Joe Milton yet, we've only seen him play in a few games. We don't know about his pocket presence yet that well. I think it's better than where Hendon Hooker was in 2021, but I don't think it's where Hendon Hooker was in 2022. And so Milton's pocket presence is a gigantic question mark heading into the year. And Dave, you know this, if you don't have pocket awareness, it, that, that's one of the most, that's probably the number one thing you can't track in stats because everybody talks about the offensive line when a quarterback has a lot of sacks. I've watched enough football. I blame the quarterback more for sacks than offensive line usually. Yeah, and I've got a little bit of concern. We talk about accuracy a lot, but I've got a little bit of concern of Joe Milton's pocket presence. I don't think he looks comfortable there, and it's a lack of experience playing time. He's had more than the average first-year starter, but there were times – I'm not talking about the Clemson game. I'm not talking about the Vanderbilt game that I thought he looked uncomfortable in the pocket. So it's a question that's the back of my head, but certainly not a pressing question. And then what's the Dillielo with Jackson Mitchell, linebacker at UConn? You did some digging here. Yeah, so UConn actually had – it's funny because Jim Moore Jr. is an offensive mind, and he always has been, but UConn is really loaded with defensive weapons this year. They got Eric Watts, their safeties, Durant Jones and Malik Dixon-Williams are both very effective, but I think Jackson Mitchell is going to be the star. 140 tackles last year, nine and a half tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks. They have 140 tackles. That's like Andy Spiva in the 70s, Spiva stats right there. So, I mean, watch out for him to be able to really potentially – you know, give Tennessee problems in the run game. May I throw out a random what the age? Sure. Um, who's this one. guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker. Uh, wrong one. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. What the age happened to Jim Moore Jr.'s career? <laughs> I mean, he got fired by UCLA so they could go get Chip Kelly. I know, but he was rocking it. He was like one of the best young coaches in the biz. I mean, he tried to force Michael Vick into the West Coast offense. Michael Vick can't run the West Coast offense. Thank you. And then a defensive lineman, Aaron Fuamui, is no Fui out of Virginia. Your thoughts on uh, what Virginia brings to the table with Aaron? Yeah, so Tony Bennett – I mean, Tony Bennett, listen to me. Rest in peace. Sorry. (laughs) Tony Elliott – is an like offensive... yeah. Mm. <laughs> so 
Tony Elliott is another offensive coach who has a defensive-oriented team this year, Chico Bennett and Antonio Clary. Virginia will go as far as their defense goes. Those are two weapons. But Aaron Falmui, as I, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, is uh, force in the middle, eight-and-a-half tackles for a loss, four sacks. Pretty big threat, particularly how Tennessee relies on the run game. If Tennessee's offense is going to get going early in the year, they're going to have to establish that in – how they handle Virginia's front seven is going to really, really tell that story. But again, I, 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 I want to say, I don't think any of these guys are really threats to Tennessee. I, I should be honest about that up front. These are just the best players are going to face. Tennessee is blessed with a very, very weak non-conference schedule this year. You know, I, I'm sorry if Tennessee's like 10 and two in an Ohio state or Penn or Penn state is 10 and two. One of those Big Ten East teams probably had a tougher schedule than Tennessee this year. You can't use the SEC thing because Tennessee's non-conference schedule is so bad. Yep. And before I get to Frank Harris, let me take crazy cats in my Tony Bennett voice. You need to check out Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. That's where all the wild kids go. Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com will save you money, give you the best service on your real estate needs there in East Tennessee, andymasonrealestate.com. So the top Cat out there is Frank Harris, quarterback, UTSA. And that's all the Tony Bennett I got for today. I did the best I could. Frank Harris is a potential high first, maybe third, fourth round NFL draft pick if he has a good season this year. Frank Harris is the best group of five quarterback there is. I don't know why he didn't transfer to a power five school because he was the CUSA most valuable player last year. They are now in the American. He is a baller. U- UTSA had a ton of, has a ton of preseason, all AAC players since they're in the American now. Joshua Cephas, DeCorian Clark, Caboria Barnes, Oscar Cardenas. It all goes through Frank Harris. He is a superstar, dual threat. If Tennessee's not careful, this is the one player on this list they should actually be concerned about because if they're not careful, UTSA could give them trouble. I love our message board. Um, Pentagon says aliens abducted Mora Jr. Quite possibly. Uh, Rocky Top Tom says, isn't the name of UVA's basketball uh, coach, Tony Bennett? It is. He's right. You're so right. Those crazy calves. Tony Bennett, Tony, Tony Bennett, the basketball coach, is one of those guys <laughs> that totally proved me wrong because I am a guy who says defense does not win championships in college basketball, and then he won a championship with defense. But oh, that Virginia man. team was loaded offensively. I too. tell you that defense is the key. See, I'm wor- my Tony Bennett impression is getting better by the moment. Again, Dave is somebody who thinks Hoosiers was a good movie that made sense. I didn't like Hoosiers. Cry me to the moon. Going to play some defense and win that ACC, kids. All right, in two minutes, we'll visit with Josh Ward while Tennessee's offensive line shuffles, but they've done that before, and they should still be good. And then Joe Milton admits that there were dark moments. Two minutes, Josh Ward of WNML off the Sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. 
We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Let me tell you something, you crazy cat. <laughs> Should I keep doing the Tony Bennett impression? He died when we were in Nashville at SEC Media Days. You call the ball. Tony Bennett impression. Does it continue or not? How did Tony Bennett even come up this morning? Because we were talking about Tony Elliott, and I accidentally said Tony Bennett because Tony Bennett does coach the basketball team, as Rocky Top Tom pointed out. So it was a it was an easy mistake to make. There you go. So and suddenly that's a that's a show, just like right like that. So, well, that's Josh Ward. Josh Ward joins us every Thursday. We love uh, having him on there. Josh Ward, what do you think about me keep doing the show in the Tony Bennett voice? And I'll tell you one thing. When it comes to Tony Bennett, it sounds so simple, but if you just be yourself, you're different than anyone else. Well, when are you going to start doing the Tony Bennett voice? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a week Alec Baldwin doing Tony Bennett is what that essentially was. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'd give it a C plus for effort. <laughs> if we're going to start there, if we're going to grade on the performance, uh, I would hand, hand you back your paper and say, why don't we work it a little bit more? Yeah. Every day feels like just starting out because I have so much more to learn. Josh Davis coping because the Celtics gave Jalen Brown a max deal. And oh, wow. he's, so, he's so upset about it. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't bright. All right. Uh, let's talk some Tennessee offensive line. Josh, Wood, you crazy cat. Uh, and that is Tennessee's offensive line has a habit in the offseason of switching things around. Josh wrote about the offensive line. It worked with Darnell Wright from left tackle to right tackle. They're going to do something similar this year. Talk about Tennessee's offensive lines. We're just a couple of days away from camp opening. One thing that stood out to me at SEC Media Days was talking to Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, because he talked about that right tackle position where Tennessee has to replace Darnell Wright. And Tennessee has made a move again with Gerald Mincy, who played left tackle last season, started more than half the games, and he will now project as the starting right tackle. Still has to go out there and earn it. J.J. Crawford is going to compete at that position. But Mincy is the projected starter at right tackle, and I would expect that he will be in that position. And Nagy said that they have an NFL mid-round grade on Mincy as a draft prospect and that NFL teams like what they've seen from Mincy, who has not played a ton. He was a reserve at Florida, transferred to Tennessee, as I mentioned, started more than half the games, but has not started a full season, dealt with some injury last year. He's also making that move. How does that affect how he plays? That's a question Nagy had, and I'm sure NFL teams have, about how he'll perform from 22 to 23. It did work out great for Darnell Wright, and perhaps Mincy plays at an even higher level. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Mincy will play like Darnell Wright. That would be an unfair expectation for, honestly, anybody on the team, let alone just the offensive linemen that we're talking about, because Wright was terrific and made his way up into the top 10 of the NFL draft. But if Mincy is able to play at a level that NFL teams believe he's capable of, then Tennessee can play winning football with Mincy there at right tackle, and it will go a long way in having to replace Wright, who played a huge role in Tennessee winning 11 games, winning the Alabama game. We've talked about what Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt have done or, or did in that game. They don't do all that without Darnell Wright protecting against Will Anderson, a top three pick in the NFL draft. I was talking to Jim, too. <laughs> you're talking about the executive director of the Senior Bowl. I was talking to him last week at SEC Media Days, and Darnell Wright practically wasn't on their board, which is kind of crazy. Part of that was the switch, but they just didn't think that Wright was was that good, which I'm t- if I'm Josh Heupel, I'm telling every offensive line prospect that, that listens. Sure. Uh, Wright was a guy that was very highly touted as a prospect. He was a highly regarded five-star player out of West Virginia, and he played a lot his first two seasons at Tennessee, but not at a high level, and played well enough to show that, yeah, he's a starter in the SEC in 2021, but man, did he jump up in 2022. And I think part of that is his physical ability. He is naturally gifted as a tackle. The move to right tackle may have been better for him as compared to other players trying to make that move. Glenn Ellerby is also a good offensive line coach. He's been successful everywhere he's been. He also has worked for several years now with Josh Heupel, so they have a connection in terms of what Ellerby is doing as a coach and what the system is that Josh Heupel is running. But Mincy was a guy that leaving Florida, I don't know that the Gators were all that concerned about losing him, and now we're talking about him projecting as 
an NFL draft prospect, and he might be at the Senior Bowl at the end of this year. So I, I just thought that was really interesting that Mincy is a guy that NFL teams are talking about more than I feel like we're talking about discussing Tennessee on a daily basis and having to replace Darnell Wright, which is one of the biggest offseason questions. To me, it's a much bigger question than having to replace Jalen Hyatt or even going in personnel-wise, having to replace Hendon Hooker. We know Joe Milton is the guy. Now it's can he go out and perform. At right tackle, I think the offseason began with, okay, who who is the guy? Is it for sure Mincy? And now we're talking about Mincy as an NFL draft prospect if this year goes well. Be sure and click on that like button. Subscribe if you haven't at this point. Get your notifications on. Looking at T. Martin and Darwin Walker. The Celebrate 98 series continues. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. CityHeatandAir.com. 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Calvin? Yeah, Josh. It, it's funny because I'm with you. I've, I don't think we're emphasizing enough the difficulties of replacing Darnell Wright because isn't the question – It's it's – we're talking about whether or not Gerald Mincy can do his job at right tackle. But isn't there a difference between doing your job and being able to fill that void and doing what Darnell Wright did, which is, in my opinion, I, I got to be honest, I think Darnell Wright is between him and Aaron Sears in terms of the best offensive lineman for Tennessee this century, quite honestly. And I, I know that's a crazy thing to say, but isn't – I mean, there's a huge gap between those two factors, right? Uh, sure. That's why I said replacing Darnell in terms of how he played is not – uh, realistic conversation that he, he didn't allow a sack last year I would imagine I would expect that Mincy's going to allow somebody to get to the quarterback you also have a different quarterback back there and Joe Milton versus Hendon Hooker but I do I do also think there's a gap between if Mincy plays at a level that NFL teams value and say okay we want to draft this guy versus what we've seen in prior years from Tennessee at the tackle position there were several seasons where it was rough. Two years ago, Tennessee was at the bottom of the SEC and sacks allowed. So they've they, they cleaned things up from where they were two years ago to being, I think, middle of the pack in, in that stat, which was a big jump from where they were the year before. And it allowed the offense to make a jump from being top 10 in the nation's scoring offense, which is really good, to being the best over the course of the season. So I expect a step back from what they produced with Darnell Wright, but I expect to step back. Uh, at the edge position for Alabama with Will Anderson being gone. I also expect Alabama still to be really good defensively, and I expect Tennessee will be better than maybe we collectively feared in the conversation the day that we knew Darnell Wright was moving on to the NFL. I was asking a Nashville station who's the bubble wrap guy, and what I mean by that is a guy that you just can't get injured. He can't get hurt. And when when you when you pick that guy, Josh, because I'm curious if we'll pick the same guy, take into account depth behind him. Okay, so I mean, Squirrel White, we all love him, and Dante Thornton, but th- there is some depth there. Um, I actually went with the offensive line, and I went with uh, Cooper Mays. What did you think of that? What do you think of that? I almost interrupted you to say Cooper Mays. Uh, I don't hesitate. There are a lot of guys that are really valuable. But I can also come up with a contingency plan if they lose players at other positions. Like Aaron Beasley, I think he's really valuable at linebacker. But I can figure out at least pretty quickly what they're going to do and not worry as much with some of the the unproven depth that is there. And guys like Elijah Herring and then Arion Carter, who's a freshman, but man, they love what they've seen from him. Losing Brew McCoy would be no good at all. I also wouldn't lose confidence in Tennessee staff's ability 
to get production at that receiver position, plus other guys in different spots. Addison Nichols could step in there and be just fine, and maybe I'm wrong here. But if they lost Cooper and had to go to Addison, I would worry immediately. Even at quarterback, it'd be a big question, but that position is always different. And you do have such a talented player in Nico who is there as a backup with all of his skills. So, yeah, I uh, I would I would put Cooper number one in the most difficult player to replace list, and then I would leave a space at number two, and then I'd start the rest of the list at number three. Josh, uh, I want to ask you a little bit moving into the inside of the line. You know, I spoke with Cole Kublik last week, and he said when Tennessee was running their offense last year, he was consistently watching Javante Spragans over anybody else. And I feel like we don't talk about him enough that he was an all-SEC guy. Is there – there seems to be – oh, did we lose Josh? I wish the guy that he popped away for some reason, but he's right back. All right, there, he's back for some reason. Right. I'm hardwired in, too. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> is it me or – I feel like there's superstar potential for Spragans at guard. I mean, we, we could – could he be like the guard version of Darnell Wright this year? I love Cole talking about Spragans, by the way, so I love that you bring that up. I referenced Cole in the column that I wrote at Off the Hook Sports. And if if you search Cole's name and Spragans' name on Twitter, you'll see Cole inviting the public, open invitation for anybody that wants to join the Spragans fan club. So when when Cole makes that kind of compliment, and he was a guy that told everybody, look, Trey Smith doesn't get enough attention. And he said, NFL teams, what are you doing? draft Trey Smith. So that is where Cole kind of comes from in terms of his evaluation of offensive linemen, including at Tennessee. There are some areas where Spragans needs to be better. That Georgia game did not go great last season. But you can also pull up the Kentucky game where a lot of the attention is on you know big plays and the defense completely destroying Kentucky's offense, which deserves all the attention it's received. But if you pull up the offensive line and watch the way they dominated Kentucky's guys, Spragans is a part of that, and that shows his upside of what he's able to do. And the starting point of where you should feel best about Tennessee's offensive line this year is Cooper at center and the guy right next to him, Javante Spragans. The other quote I included in there, at least part of the this, the response from Jerome Carvin when he joined us on the radio a couple of weeks ago, was Spragans is a wild man, and the way that he plays is what you're looking for in terms of the mentality and how physical he's going to be at guard and Tennessee is going to continue to run the football in this offense. As much as we talk about the passing game and again, should the running game is a huge part of what Tennessee always does and will again this year. And Spragans is going to be a big part of that. So some of the off season talk of, Hey, maybe Spragans is a first round pick. Maybe he is by the end of the season. I don't know that that's fair right now, but he is absolutely an NFL draft prospect. And he's a big part of why this offensive line can still be fine this year. Before we get to Joe Milton, did we get Cole Kubelik last week? It's up on our YouTube channel. <laughs> There's so much happening. I wasn't even sure, Josh. Subscribe, like, and comment, Dave. Maybe you should remember sometime. <laughs> Maybe I should have my notifications on. Uh, Joe Milton notified us that there were some dark moments, which we would expect if you lose your job and you've already transferred. But he was open about it on your station with uh, Tyler Robbins and Will West. And uh, it was a question posed by Tyler. And he just kind of opened up and talked about some of the dark times and that he didn't know if he was good enough to play in college. Why do you think he he did that at that particular time? 
Why did he think that at that time? You you mean? No. Why Why did he decide to share that? Because he had been all the way through the SEC yeah. media days gauntlet and didn't really share much. Yes. Yeah. And then right. Yeah, it was at the end of the day. You're right. Uh, it was when they went through Radio Row before leaving Nashville uh, and talking to Tyler there on set. And uh, first of all, Tyler did a good job following up because uh, Joe just kind of mentioned without real details about uh, looking ahead and how things affected him. And Tyler said, well, tell us more. What do you mean? And he told us. And I thought that really was something that spoke to the difference we see now in Joe Milton versus a couple of years ago where he might have gotten defensive with somebody bringing up the idea of, hey, is this guy really ready to be a starter in the SEC? He came in having to prove something immediately. He It, it had not worked out at Michigan for Joe. He transfers to a spot where he's saying, okay, here's my new fresh start, and he gets it. He arrives at Tennessee, and three months after arriving on campus, he's out there starting – in college football games in a new offense he's admittedly still learning he has talked about that that he didn't know everything he was relying on his teammates to sometimes help him with what he was supposed to do and now he's the guy that nico comes to and asks questions about hey what are we doing here there and joe can answer those questions so he does not have it all figured out at the time and then all of a sudden he's not playing all that well he cannot avoid all the criticism that's there He's also probably wondering, why am I missing some of these throws? What's happening here? And he gets hurt, and he loses his job, and he's not the guy again. And it probably feels like what he just went through. So two years ago, if that comes up, I bet he gets really defensive about the idea that he can't play, even though he was questioning himself, am I the guy? And I bet he's had more conversations that we still haven't heard about from talking to his friend, Hendon Hooker, and his coaches, who obviously told him, hey, you're going to get your opportunity keep working, keep learning, stick with it. And he checked the accountability mirror and he told himself, you can still do this. You got to put in the work. So for him to admit that, I think is another sign as he's shown several that he is a more mature player. He does have a better understanding of the position that he's in. He also knows he still has to go out and prove it. But I think now he's a lot more confident that he'll be able to go out and prove what he's capable of compared to two or three years ago. Yeah, and Caleb, I know you're going to jump in here, but I visited with um, this morning uh, Jacob Warren, and he said, and it's going to be on our YouTube channel later, the ball report brought to you by Bassie Lawn and Garden. He said that they never had any concern that he might enter the portal after the 2021 season. It wasn't like a daily check your phone or check the newspaper and check your phone and see if, if Joe Milton has entered the transfer portal. He said they never had any concern about that. Sorry to interrupt, Caleb. Go ahead, sir. Well, there could be two ways to look at this, Josh, and I want to know your thoughts on this because I felt a lot of times when Joe Milton – we heard from Josh Heifel that Joe Milton dominated Hooker in practice. That's why he got a starting job, and they didn't see the difference. And there was a clear difference in who performed better in the games. We saw the panic move at Ole Miss. It, based on what that and you, and you telling me that Joe Milton told WNML that he was questioning himself, you do start to wonder – is there an intangible issue with Joe Milton where he doesn't fully believe in himself when he's out on the field where he panics a little bit? And does that still exist? Could that still be there? It could. I think one of the biggest questions he has to answer is, okay, how do you perform third quarter, fourth quarter when it's a tight ball game and you have to go make plays and it's on you. It's not on the running game. Uh, The running game in the orange bowl 
helped him be able to make some of the throws that led to him being the MVP. And by the way, that you know that can still be there, but you know, it's easy to think about the Alabama game. Hendon had to go out there and make two big throws, and he did it, and they won the game against Alabama. Uh, not everybody's going to perform. By the way, they might have there could have been an incomplete pass in that spot with Alabama brings different pressure, and they go to overtime and lose. So uh, it, it worked out in that spot for Tennessee. But sure, that's the question. Late game. At Florida, that's the first big test, realistically. I don't think Virginia or Austin P are real tests for Tennessee. In the swamp, at night, with Florida trying to bring pressure and trying to disrupt Joe and trying to force him into make mistakes, will he or will he handle it and put up the numbers that he's capable of in this offense? So that's a question everybody has. Uh, this offseason, there has been so much hype around Joe Milton, and some of it, I think, is very understandable and deserved in terms of his talent, what this offense is, the praise that I've offered here in this segment about the development he's made in two years. But also, if the statement is he's going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony and Tennessee's going to be in the playoff and Joe will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, if you're saying that with absolute certainty, then I think I think it's going too far in the conversation. He still has to prove more, and he gets that chance. Uh, that And I think he's going to be good this year. I think he's going to have a, a really good season for Tennessee. But is he going to be uh, is he going to be ready to make big plays when they count on him to lead the way in a late game situation? Because it's going to come up at some point. That's a question I still have. Josh, I think <clears throat> going back to his quote, and I don't want to be sports psychologist, but the way I what I read out of that and then listening to it, um, it, w- it wasn't so much about panicking, <clears throat> excuse me, during games. It was that perhaps he was distracted by thinking of his performance during preparation. That's what I read into it, that he, the Nick Saban is enjoy the process. That's the saying. But I don't think he was embracing and accepting the process at times. And that's what got him down. I think that if he he addresses those on a day-to-day basis, we all know he has the physical ability to be great on Saturdays. Yeah, probably so. That was just a weird process overall. Uh, he arrives on campus in the summer, and he's starting a few months later, as I mentioned, and he's expecting – I mean, the hype two years ago, it wasn't this, but it was it's pretty high in that August buildup to the start of the season because that's the time of year where everybody gets excited. So you see this guy on campus. Like these physical tools we're talking about now, he had two years ago. That's not changed. He was able to launch the ball just as far in 2021 – uh, I, you know, in terms of like questioning himself, that part of the conversation, does he still, does he really have all the confidence in himself? I think the fact that he's willing to admit that he was going through that, that he was having those concerns, I think that is a strong statement that uh, part of it is the maturity that I mentioned, but also that, yeah, he's not afraid of what he was going through and to let other, others know. I don't sense any lack of confidence in his own game now. Uh, sometimes you could see overconfidence from Joe at this point. So I think it's, I think it's natural when you deal with real adversity, like he did multiple times to say, okay, yeah, I'm kind of down on myself. What do I do? And and he said it's for about a week. It's not like he said, you know, it took months to get out of that. So I, I think, I think it's a more positive sign that he was willing to talk about what he was going through. Uh, but it's also a pretty abnormal spot to see a guy that is this deep into his college career, get this amount of attention and this amount of hype without too many results to go with it. There's the Orange Bowl, and if that game had not happened, if Hendon had never been hurt, which we all wish 
had been the case that he would able, was able to finish out the season. But if Joe had never actually started at the end of last season and it was Hendon playing all the way through, there would be more questions today about Joe. I think the fact that we've seen him, even though it was in one game and it was a bowl game, but against a quality opponent, I think the fact that we've seen him be successful over 60 minutes as the starter for Tennessee, I think that has helped in the conversation and probably helped Joe's confidence to get ready for this year as opposed to him taking over in the role for the first time since 2021. Josh, when is the last time that you've doubted your own ability? And please do so in a Tony Bennett voice. Uh, should I sing it? Uh, yes. uh, I pretty, really struggled back in 2000. Yeah, pretty much every day at about 12.01. I ask, oh, no. uh, is, is this the day? Is this the day that everybody realizes I should not be in this spot on the radio? Gosh, that's crazy. He's incredible from noon to three. He's absolutely the best, and uh, we appreciate it, Josh. That column was uh, really well written, and uh, you you did quote Cole in that. And let's be honest, when it comes to people that break down linemen, analysts, it's basically Cole and everybody else. I'm not even sure who's second, to be real honest with you. Not an exaggeration. I have searched Cole's name and then a lineman's name on Twitter to see if he has already shared publicly his opinions, because he will – He'll tweet out videos of lineman film that he's breaking down. So, yeah, Cole's, Cole's really good. So, uh, anytime he praises your offensive lineman as he did for Tennessee, be more confident in that offensive lineman. Yeah, he's also funny how he tweets out the people who um, have their dogs go to the restroom in his yard and don't pick it up. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, there was a... <laughs> uh, the, the, there was a case that had to be put together on that one, right, to find the... Well, I, think there's two or, I think there's two or three and it was it was kind of funny till i talked to him at sec media days and he goes it's not funny it's not. <laughs> he goes it's it's not funny they're still doing it and yeah. he said i'm still turning them in i'm putting them on twitter and he said one one person reached out to me and said it was my father-in-law they weren't in town he goes i don't care it's still on twitter like whoa i mean this guy was really throwing some dog poo heat yeah, he's well, he's looking for the poopetrator, but I would so I'll take back the laugh. Cole's the nicest guy in the world, but if he tells you it's not funny, then agree with Cole on that one too. It's not funny. Yeah, I was a little I was a little scared that he might yeah. swim move me into Paul Feinbaum's set at one point. Great stuff, Josh. Noon to three. Follow him, follow him at Josh underscore Ward. We always appreciate the time, brother. Have a blessed day. And never doubt yourself because you're number one in my book. I will hear in about an hour and 15 minutes. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, Josh. I appreciate that. Josh Ward of WNML. Yeah, Cole's great, man. But, yeah, he calls people out for not picking up the poopy bags. That's – wow, I did not know that. I'm sure (laughs) that – is a oh, is it? It's not Danny Ainge anymore, is it? Celtics GM. I'm sure you want to have your dog go to the bathroom in your GM's yard. Is it in the Celtics GM's yard right now, don't you? No, I, you're you're trying to get me going on Jalen Brown. Um, I, I want you to get triggered so badly, Dave. I want you to get upset. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean that's the, the 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 money in the NBA astounds me. The amount of uh, money that's guaranteed, but. Um, it is, uh, it, it's it's bizarre that in retrospect, getting back to Cole, that somebody thought it would be funny to not only not pick up the dog poo, but to pick it up in the bag and then throw it in his yard. 
So it's in the bag in his yard. That's somebody that saw him on Twitter and at like five in the morning. Well, he goes to he does the morning show. So but at like midnight, is anything like, that would he doesn't see anything that would upset you. He's a ball guy. He like he he, he yeah. Like, I know he's upset that people aren't mind. And I don't. I, I've I live out in the country. My dog can go where it wants to. And I don't pick it up. You live in the city. Are you supposed to pick it up? Is that like a rule? Yes, you're supposed to pick it up. Absolutely, you're supposed to pick it up. I've I mean, never lived in the suburbs. You're supposed to pick it up. I've always lived like country, country. So I, I, I didn't know that. It, my, my dog would have to take a train to not a train, but he would have to call dog Uber in uh, order to get I, to I, somebody I, else's yard. Uh, he's a. I, I can't imagine. Cole my dog Cooper is dead. Actually, do you want to do you want to talk about that? My dog died. Two months ago. Wow, Dave's really trying to like hit like he's trying to be like. Is that where you want to go? Is that where you want to go? Yeah, you got your Jalen Brown jokes. You want to talk about my dead dog? (laughs) Is that what you want to do? How I cry at night when Thaddeus doesn't snuggle next to me. Thank Um, you very much. Coming up, no, it's just brutal. Yeah, Jalen Brown all day long, but I got a dead dog. What do you got? I got a question for you. Who could break down X's and O's better, probably Cole Kublik or Derek Dooley? Because one made multi millions as a coach. Not my dead dog. Which you think my suffering is funny for some reason. The 10 greatest single season by Tennessee running back of all time. Stay tuned. Off the Hook Sports with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Booker. and Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six for my sauce, 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craven Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Kate is we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox. We had inpatient. We had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now I gotta do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment with a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. Any other of my dead pets over my life that you want to make fun of, Caleb? Oh my God. You were How about Lossy the kitten? Yeah, there was Lossy because it was Dumper the dog because we found him at a dump. Well, that you know, it's the most recent, but they all hurt, Caleb. And you. Making fun of that, just uh, well, the Cowboys as a franchise are dead too, so you know, oh, yeah. But again, you're turning it back to sports, we're talking about matters of the heart. How about Laney, (laughs) the German Shepherd? Yeah, how about that moment where you have to tell your wife and kids you got to leave the room because I got to do the hard part of being dad and put the dog down? Wait, you had to put him down, not physically, but I had to hold him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's rough. I thought I think you live out in the country, so I thought putting the dogs down out there was like just taking. Oh, I didn't know yelling. Old No, I didn't do that. But it's been a All right. we can we can laugh now at Thaddeus and I'll sleep alone. Well, my wife will be there, but I'll sleep without Thaddeus, and you can just laugh it up all day long. One of the things we love to do is smoky hot takes. We love to look back at uh, Tennessee, the uh, football history that is just incredibly deep. And when we talk about great seasons by any player, we can debate on and on and on. We did that with quarterbacks uh, just recently. We're going to do that now with running backs the top 10 greatest seasons ever by a balls running back and it's brought to you in part by craft treats crafttreats.com use the promo code off the hook the promo code off the hook get 20 percent off you'll love it crafttreats.com with the cbd treats they'll help with your pet's digestive issues also the arthritis issues and don't forget about the anxiety issues crafttreats.com use the promo code off the hook so the top 10 seasons by University of Tennessee tailback. You've got number 10, Alvin Kamara, in 2016. It's both sad and gratifying that he is on this list. It's sad that he's not higher because he's an even better tailback than what he was under Butch Jones, but it's gratifying that he made the list even without being an integral part of Butch Jones's offense. That guy... I knew it from day one, simply special. I'm going to share one other thing. He is by far the best junior college player that I have ever seen from an off-the-field standpoint. Not only did he show up to Tennessee, he didn't know anybody. Things didn't work out at Alabama. He goes to junior college. This is his last opportunity, and he accepted it and embraced it and went after it. And I've got so much respect for that young man. And when he wasn't being played enough, he just smiled. 
He never complained. He never even gave a hint, Caleb, that he was unhappy with his playing time. So you got him at number 10, 2016. Why? Before we get to the rest of the list. Yeah, he barely made it because it was – but I couldn't ignore the efficiency. He was a a weapon on special teams. You have more respect for him than I do because I'm not – you know, maybe he needs to stop trying to beat up guys on Las Vegas elevators. But I will say that as a player, it – I had to cut some people off that I didn't want to to put Alma Kamara on, but – when you look at that 2016 season, I just couldn't ignore it. So he, but he did barely make it. Yeah. And by the way, can we go ahead and say that special teams is not a third of the game anymore, especially with the changes that's been made or just count the number of snaps. It's a simple fact. It's not a third of the game. Beatty feathers comes in at 19 and 1933. Uh, he should have probably uh, won the Heisman. If it existed that year per sports illustrated, I'm gonna run down a couple more Jamal Lewis in 1997 boy he was good and it just reminds you how he had he not gotten injured in 98 that team was already unbeatable they were 13 to 0 but he would have taken them to a whole nother level it's just crazy good how good he was and he was one of those backs that you saw one carry caleb and you said oh my that guy is special he's i remember saying and i was young too I remember saying it's like a bull in a china shop. He runs angry, and that was Jamal Lewis. Yeah, and he and again, this is one that I, it, there were similar seasons. Three others that I had to cut off the list that were similar to Lewis in '97, and that was Johnny Jones in '84, Chuck Webb in '89, and Travis Henry in 2000. The reason Jamal Lewis in '97 got the nod is he was, and you probably remember this, Dave. He was a huge threat in the passing game. I mean, how many times did Peyton Manning hit Jamal Lewis with a swing pass that went 30 yards, 40 yards for a touchdown? Yep. And that changed everything. Hank, by the way, uh, uh, the uh, Johnny Jones, my first, we've all got that first guy we gravitate towards. So I guess I was about 10 years old. He was my first favorite Tennessee football player uh, for whatever reason. Tony White was my first favorite Tennessee basketball player. Uh, Hank Laricella, 1951, out of the wing tee. And then you get to a guy, Reggie Cobb. Uh, single wing, not wing tee. Doug Dickey were in the wing team. Nailing single wing. Excuse me, I misspoke. Uh, single wing, and then you get to Reggie Cobb in in '87. You know the, uh, the there were things that sidelined his career off the field. I got a lot of respect for him because he turned his life around, graduated from the University of Tennessee, and was was climbing the ranks in the NFL. Reggie Cobb, in some ways, was similar to Jamal Lewis in the the way they just ran angry. Yeah, I mean, I. That's the only reason Chuck Webb couldn't be on the list was because he only really was the starter half the season in 89 because Reggie Cobb was the starter beforehand. And you start to think, man, talk about being loaded. I mean, we we talk about Jamal Lewis to Travis Henry. Reggie Cobb to Chuck Webb was pretty darn good, too. Golly, man, he was good. God rest his soul. Uh, Tony Thompson in 1990. Now, he's not one of the greatest running backs. He's probably, talent-wise, the worst running back on this list. But what he did after Chuck Webb went down was pretty phenomenal. I I went to that game for whatever reason, and it was the game where he had 220 yards. And I thought, wow, I guess this this Tennessee team just turns out fantastic running backs by the dozens. Because, And a lot of that was the offensive line, but he ended up running for over 1,200 yards that year. 
Yeah, it, it helps when you're running behind two top 10 picks on the line, Charles McRae and Antoine Davis. But gosh, that 1990 team was so loaded. I'm sorry. I just have to point that out, how loaded the 1990 Tennessee football team was. But Tony Thompson stepping in and just balling out was very, very incredible. You're right, Chuck Webb, I keep bringing him up because I hate leaving him off the list, but he was a better running back than Tony Thompson. But Thompson, the thing that's forgotten is Tony Thompson was a small, big play guy, but you could trust him on the goal line for those little one-yard gains if you needed to. If Chuck Chuck Webb's healthy, is that the best group of running backs of of all time, or do we talk about – I'm trying to think of who else we – if, if Chuck Webb stays healthy. I mean, what I saw of Chuck Webb, and I didn't, I've only seen highlights, but I've never seen a running back do what he does with his highlights. I mean, I saw I saw Adrian Peterson before Adrian Peterson and Chuck Webb, if I'm being honest. Mm, pretty good comparison. Uh, Travis says, no way you leave Morristown's own James Littleman Stewart off this list. We'll get to that. Maybe it's on the list, but he had to split a lot of time with some other cats. So I'm yeah, he didn't have, right. He didn't have a season that stood out. During that era, Charlie Garner had the best season in 93. Yeah, this is just season, so I'm going to defend my guy Caleb on on this one. Um, and he had Aaron Hayden too, that was there, that's true. Uh, carrying the and Moose Phillips, so, who had the greatest run in Tennessee history. That's forgotten about because Tennessee lost that day. Yes, at, at fullback, but he did get a good good number of carries when fullback was a thing. All right, so if you can tell me who's number one, by the way, on this, I'm going to hook you up with a hooker shirt. So go ahead and start posting those. Uh, on the message board. You tell me who's number one. So we just did Tony Thompson in 1990, best seasons by UT running back, Ontario Hardesty in 2009. Kudos. You mentioned two of my favorites in Alvin Kamara and Montario Hardesty, purely from a media perspective, probably those two along with uh, Eric Berry because of what they had to endure as players and still talk to the media in a very – mature fashion he's he's one of my guys that are right up there yes Monterio Hardesty you know more about this than I do because you know about the injuries and in hindsight Fulmer was proven right uh, I'll, I'll give him some credit on that but Tennessee fans Dave I don't know if you, you were covering the team at the time but I knew Tennessee fans they were so angry that Fulmer would not play Hardesty more and they felt that yeah. he had it out for him but you know hard- me you know me I'm not afraid to call out Fulmer's missteps I remember interviewing Montario Hardesty. And I said, how's your knee? And he said, which one? I mean, they were both in bad shape. So, yeah, he, he got the most out of his body that he possibly could, and he gave it to Tennessee. Reminds me of Jason Mitchell, the linebacker. So whatever potential was left in the NFL to make money, he didn't have it because he gave it all to Tennessee. So you got Jay Graham at uh, number three in 1995. So it's um, you say there's a new era of running backs as the early 90s were marked by uh, James Stewart, Moe Phillips, Aaron Hayden and Charlie Garner. But Jay Graham, again, that that's when I, my formative years of watching football, that's when I was watching it. And it just seemed like Tennessee had the ability to churn out great tailbacks. He was one. Yeah. And Jay Graham had the 75 yard run to if, for people who don't remember the 95 Tennessee Alabama game. Tennessee dominated, but Alabama had a point where you thought it was going to be a game. They made, they got within two touchdowns. You probably remember it, Dave. The crowd was kind of back in the game. And one handoff to Jay Graham for an 80-yard touchdown silences the crowd in a heartbeat. The next year, when Alabama comes to Knoxville, Tennessee's down 13 to nothing. They tie it up at 13, and then Graham gets the ball and runs 75 yards for the game-winning touchdown. 
just back-to-back Alabama. The Jay Graham has two of the most famous runs in Tennessee football history against Alabama. Again, you don't have to pick the year, but you tell me the player who had the best season ever, the running back, and I'm going to hook you up with the hooker shirt. All you got to do is post on the message board, just the player. You don't have to give me the year. So it's it's getting interesting here. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Travis Stevens, 2001. I will go ahead and tell you, I know the offensive line was great, but this would probably be number one on my list. You did more research for the other guy, not not to give anything away, but definitely as in far of, in terms of guys that I covered, the doubt around him was so incredibly strong. I remember one reporter saying this was 2001 when the Florida game got moved to the end of the year because 9-11, and uh, he had had a good game before Florida. I can't remember. Who Arkansas. 31 carries for 200 yards. Very good. Good gracious. Um, he's like a, a volatician. Um, so, but, and I remember this reporter, because this is how pervasive the doubting was about uh, what he was doing that year. Talking about Travis Stevens. They said, let's see what you do against Florida. Well, he ran for like 200 yards and put Tennessee in, in position to play for an SEC championship and national title. So I got a lot of love for him. So any, I'm going to give everyone one last moment to post on board, on our message board, who had the greatest season of all time. Just give me the players. Don't give me the year. You don't have to give me the year. And it might be on offthehooksports.com. There's a pretty good hint. Okay, and by the way, so a couple of questions from the message board before we get to number one. Everybody agrees that Cooper's the most important player. He's the guy you want in bubble wrap. Robert Rexrode uh, asked, why don't we get junior college players anymore? They still get some. Um, but to I be real honest. the portal is going to change that. It's just changed it too much. Yeah. I mean, you'd rather see them against high-level competition. And let's face it. The, the money got bigger in college football and the academic requirements got a little bit lower. Guys get into school more often. I mean, that's just uh, there. And there's no prop 48. Remember when John Henderson had to sit around for a year? Ready to so play? Stupid, yes. Hey, I want to say it. I agree with Cardell Jones when he said, why do we got to go to classes when we're here to play football? I'm with you. I'm with you. Very good. All right. So we uh, we had number one and it was going way back. And you can read the story on offthehooksports.com going way back to 1929. Who was it? Gene McEver, the first superstar in Tennessee football history. And he had a school record that still stands to this day. 18 rushing touchdowns. Five rushing touchdowns in a game against South Carolina. McEver, like Beatty Feathers, would have won the Heisman had it existed during that time. Most of Nalen's single, most of the running backs or the backs in the single wing were triple threats. So that's why, you know, Johnny Majors is technically a tailback and the same with Bobby Dodd, but they were more passing tailbacks. That's why they didn't make this list. But McEver was specifically a runner, same with Feathers and same with Lauritsella. That's why they made this list. And McKeever turn made Tennessee football a national name. Great stuff. He's Caleb Calhoun. You can read about that and recruiting news on offthehooksports.com. Check us out. We're with you each and every weekday live. We love the interaction at 10 a.m. 
each and every weekday. That's Eastern time restreaming throughout the show on your favorite podcast channel, whatever that might be. Apple, Android, Spotify. We don't care. We're there. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.